Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Come and draw from the well of salvation. Be made clean, let Him wash you in truth. He is the fountain of living water. Come and be made new. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. He can refresh you in the desert where your sin left you lost on the brink. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Him, dear sinner, and drink. water of life you will never thirst again let all who are thirsty come to him will you drink deeply of Jesus will you come to the water of life you will never thirst again let all who are thirsty been lost in the wilderness, chasing nothing but sin and death. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Jesus and live. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Revelation, the sixth chapter. When you opened the third seal, this is verse 5, And I heard the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse. And its rider had a pair of scales in its hand. And I heard what seemed to be the voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarii, a day's work, and three quarts of barley for a a denarii, a day's worth of work. Do not harm the oil and the wine. Then he opened the fourth seal. I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth, to kill with the sword and with famine, pestilence, by wild beasts of the earth. We are 
rushing in the book of Revelation toward the sixth seal, where there is a great earthquake. The sun becomes black as sackcloth, and full moon became like blood. The stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit. Do you recognize what I'm reading to you? Do you know what this is? This is the book of Revelation in the sixth chapter where we're rushing toward that sixth seal that results in Jesus coming and taking his people. We're rushing now toward this third seal where famine comes and death. Do you have an understanding that we are rushing toward eternity? And you're going to go whether you want to go or not. Now, the wonderful news to me is that as we're rushing toward the final conclusion of Earth's history with our normal world, we are also rushing toward the book of Acts, where we are going to live the book of Acts as the last day church. Well, I think of the book of Acts, the crowds of people coming to receive Jesus, the crowds of people who now hold everything together in common, where nobody is fighting for his own. Everybody has what they need. And their focus is now on Jesus Christ. Their focus is now on eternity. It was a joyous time in the church. It couldn't last forever. But oh, while it lasted, it was so wonderful. Peter and John, remember, they were going together up to the temple to pray at the hour of prayer, that is, three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, just called the beautiful gate. He was looking for alms. He was a, a beggar. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for, for money. Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and they said, Look at us. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something for them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Took him by the right hand, raised him up, And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. He entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him and they knew who he was. This was a heady time to be a part of the New Testament church. There was power in the church. And people were rejoicing. They were excited. They were happy. They were new believers in Jesus. You knew it couldn't last forever. Chapter 8 of Acts. And Saul approved of his execution. This is Stephen was just stoned to death. He was one of the elders. He He was loved by the church. They were devastated. But Saul, he approved of his execution. He was a a Pharisee. 
not a believer in Jesus. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the reign, the region of Judah and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentations over him. Well, this church is alive. You kill one of us and we cry out to God. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. It does not say those who were scattered tried to grab a U-Haul truck so they could get their stuff and run. It doesn't say that. He said their first thing was, where can we go and preach about Jesus? This was real. Philip, he went down to Samaria among the Samaritans, and he proclaimed to them the Christ. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. He did not proclaim to them that he'd had everything confiscated and he had nothing. No, he had everything. He had Jesus. Do you understand? He had Jesus. In the Acts Church, all you need is Jesus and the fellowship. We are going to quickly come into the Acts Church. And some people are going to scramble with the U-Haul trucks. Other people are going to scramble to say, how can I proclaim the name of Jesus? How can I help with the work of the gospel? I want to be a part of what Jesus is doing. It will not be an ordered exit. It will not be an ordered exit from Washington, D.C. It will be Christians scrambling to say, wow, Jesus is coming. We're at the final rundown for Jesus to appear in the sky. I've got to be there. I've got to be ready. What can I do, brother, to help you? The crowds were with one accord, paying attention to what Philip was preaching. They saw the signs that he was doing. Unclean spirits came out of many who were possessed, crying with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. So wherever these disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ were going, they were excited. And they were performing signs and wonders. They were healing. This was Philip. He was not somebody. He was a Christian. That made him somebody. And the signs and wonders that they were doing, many, many, many people, maybe even some of you listening, are filled with demon spirits. And when this begins to happen, those spirits will be cast out. They will run from the presence of the Holy Spirit and from Jesus. There were no demons in people who could remain in them in the Acts church. Likewise, in the Acts church that we're scrambling toward now in the final countdown of everything because Jesus is coming Everybody forgot about themselves and what they were trying to do and what they were trying to grab. They just focused on Jesus and how they could proclaim his name, how they could cast out the demons, how they could heal. I haven't had anybody come and try to heal my leg. Oh, I wonder why. 
because there's no power today in the New Testament church or in the Old Testament. There's no power in the modern-day church like there was in the Old Testament with the Elijahs and the Elishas, or in the New Testament church with just members of the body who cast out the demons, who healed the lame like me. Oh, I'm eager for the Acts church to show up again, and it's coming like a freight train. It's coming. I'm so excited. Can you tell? Jesus is coming again. We are on the final countdown. In fact, it may be happening right now. The Gog Magog War. Now, some of you don't agree with what I'm saying about that. It's okay. You've worked out your deal. I'm not trying to tell you I'm right. I'm trying to share with you, though, the actual scriptures that talk about who Jesus is and what he's going to do. And I I have many times said, mm, I wish I could have lived during the Acts Church. Well, I'm going to get to live in the Acts Church just like you are. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to Jesus. Now, another thing happened. As he went down and began to preach in Samaria, he lifted up Jesus. And the people were so happy, and the city was exploding in joy because the diseases were all healed. They had a new Lord and a new Savior. The past was gone. They could walk now in holiness before Jesus. There was a man in the town. His name was Simon. Now, I've talked about Simon before, but sometimes you have to go back and meditate some more. Sometimes you've got to go back and commune with Jesus. And he says, by his spirit, you didn't cover it all. Go back and do it again. Okay, that's what I'm doing. But in the context of the Acts Church, that's what I want you to hear. He was a practitioner of magic. The people were all very impressed by his magic. They called him the Great One. Well, they said this man was the power of God, but suddenly they were seeing the power of God to heal the lame and to heal the sick, to give them a life transformed, to give them eternal life, to give them victory over their sin. People have been amazed by his magic. But his magic had no power to heal the wounds of their heart. When they believed that Philip was from the mighty God of heaven, because he preached the good news about the kingdom of God, and he preached strongly the name of Jesus Christ, men and women were saved. They did not turn aside. Even Simon believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. He followed Philip around, watching what Philip was doing. He'd heard the message. His heart had not been changed. See, a person comes and they say, oh, I want Jesus, but they're not changed. They refuse to be crucified with Christ. 
They refuse to give up their lives. They keep their lives and they try to add Jesus to that life. Some of you are in exactly that position. You you say, oh, I love Jesus. But you say, I love Jesus from a heart that is also full of all the things of the world that you love. You know, when Jesus comes for us, he's not going to take our sports with us. He's not going to take our favorite TV shows with us. He's, He's only going to take a man or a woman. And that man or woman will have to be crucified with Christ. And the things of the world will be cast off. They will be men and women who have believed on the name of Jesus, that he is the eternal God of heaven. You're not going to be able to take your football with you to heaven. One man said to me, Mr. Are you saying that it's wrong to watch television, to watch the the ball games? Yes, I am. That is what I'm saying. Thank you very much. Get your mind out of the world, out of the gutter. Is football not the gutter? Is it not the garbage can? There's no redeeming value in it. Oh, Mr. After you said that, I went home. And my son said to me, is Pastor Ray actually saying that I have to give up football? Yes, that's what he said. Well, I'm not going to give up football. Then you don't have Jesus. No, I I have both Jesus and football. No, you don't. You're playing games with yourself. It has no redeeming value. It will not take you to heaven. It will not cause you to be a kind person. It will not cause you to repent of your sins. There's not one thing that game of football will do for you except steal your time and your energy, and then you start to gamble with it. And then the preacher comes on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning, and the preacher comes, and the the first thing he does is open his, quote, sermon, unquote, is with a, a football joke, and you're right at home. No, you're in the wrong place. It's not a place of God. It's a place of darkness. Get out of there. See, Simon loved the world. He loved the magic. He loved the games. He loved the things of darkness. But he also loved Jesus. And he said, I'll be a Christian. Are you in that place? Can you watch whatever you want to watch? Can you go wherever you want to go? Can you do whatever you want to do in the flesh? And still say, I'm a follower of Jesus. No, you can't. Impossible. I'll show you. So he was baptized along with men and women. And he went and and watched the show. He watched him heal people and the rejoicing and the clapping and the shouting, the release from pain. And people were very, very happy. They were released from their wickedness. They were released from their addictions, addictions to fornication. Addictions to chasing after money. Addictions 
trying to be somebody. They were released from all their addictions. They were set free. They were given a place with Jesus Christ to stand. They were happy. They were shouting in the town. The whole town was excited. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem, the apostles who were still in Jerusalem, I want you to notice that they didn't run. They were threatened, but they did not run. They received the word that that the Lord had come down and blessed the Samaritans. So they, in a council meeting, said, the only answer is to send Peter and John, who will go there and pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit had not fallen on any of them yet. They'd only been baptized in the name of Jesus. Well, Peter and John went down, and there they laid their hands on on the people. They prayed for them and laid their hands on them. And the Holy Spirit came and filled them. This is the book of Acts. This is where we're going. To a church where men and women, with no pretense, will lay their hands on others and they'll receive the Holy Spirit. Well, Simon was watching all of this, of course. And he saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, They received the Holy Spirit, and then they could heal others. He wanted that power. He wanted that power. He wanted to add it to his already full arsenal of magic. He thought that this would really make him something, something great. Peter rebuked him. We do well to listen to this rebuke. It's very pointed. It's very straight. And it's much needed in the church today. He said, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter. For your heart is not right before God. Well, now, wait a minute. Here's a man who has been baptized. Here's a man who has confessed the name of Jesus Christ. Here's a man who considers himself to be a Christian. But remember I said, Simon thought he could keep the world and have Jesus too. Simon thought he could keep his magic and add to his arsenal this Holy Spirit power. He didn't know what he was dealing with. But that's what he wanted. So Peter says, no, You cannot have the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to lay my hands on you and pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit because I see that your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore. This is not among the pagans. He's not speaking here among the Samaritans who are pagans.
He's speaking to one of their converts. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. How's the intent of your heart? To me, one of the most exciting parts of the church moving into an age of the book of Acts is that the intent of every man's heart is finally fully exposed. Remember, Ananias and Sapphira, they come out of the book of Acts. We're going to see that again in the modern church. Where men and women who have been cheating God with their money, who've pretended that they were totally given out to be the Christian in the age of wickedness. They have not really been. They've been lying about the way they use their money. They've been cheating on God. Not only that, they live during the week like a pagan, but they come on church day and pretend that they're a saint. Met a a lay leader, one of the elders of a of a local church. Oh, he was a Christian. But if you were around him very long, you'd see that he was a serpent. That he had no integrity. He had a serpent's mouth. He bit at me, but he didn't get a bite. I praise God I was able to move away and and not let him bite me. What I'm saying to you is that there is wickedness in the church, and in the Acts church, that wickedness was always fully exposed. There was no room for dishonesty. There was no room for playing games with God. Pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. And then Peter doesn't just stop there. He goes a step further. For I see that you are in the gall. What is the gall? Bitterness. Bitterness. And the bond of iniquity. So here he is. He's a Christian. But this is now the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, everything is uncovered. Your heart is uncovered. My brother, my sister, I want my heart uncovered before God. And I want it uncovered in such a manner that anything that stands between us I can quickly repent of. For I rejoice in full discovery before the Lord God of heaven. I would rather be judged now and not judged. The great white throne judgment. You either judge yourself now or you'll be judged there. But I want to add more than that. Please don't get caught on this. Yes. I want God to judge me now and expose fully who I am. But I'm not inviting you to spend time judging yourself and condemning yourself and saying, Oh, look at me, poor sinner. No, Bunyan talks about that in Pilgrim's Progress. This dear man 
weeping over himself. And the two travelers ask an angel, and they said, no, all he does is lament over himself. How how horrible he is. How wicked he is. How there's something in his heart that he can't get out. And so he's traveling slowly. He can't travel like you men are traveling. He travels slowly, stumbling over every rock. He he doesn't catch on that everything is removed by the power of the blood. And it's Christ who comes and searches our hearts. But will we let him search our hearts? Bitterness is anger over the past. Anger over what I can't have. Anger over how my life has gone. And we can stay in that bitterness of gall. And we can make people miserable around us. Because we have not just thrown it off in the name of Jesus and said, no matter how hard my life is, I'm going to rejoice in Jesus. I receive what Jesus has sent me. And I'm asking now, how can I use that to win someone to Jesus? Yes. How can I take the pains of my life to witness for Jesus? To give him the glory. To recognize him as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Not me. Some of you are so full of Please, I'm not saying this critically or judgmentally. Some of you are so full of the pain of your heart that you are absorbed by it. Yesterday, I was talking about no longer loving your pain. Because Jesus took it all to the cross. We now live submerged in Jesus Christ. Sink into Jesus. And the joy is wonderful. Now, we're moving very quickly toward the book of Acts today, where there's going to be great victories, the healing of the sick, casting out of the demons, salvation coming to the lost. But in that place, there will also be great persecution. When that great persecution comes, we're going to have to run. We're going to have to leave behind our stuff. Are you prepared to do that? If you knew that you were going to be taken and put in prison because of Jesus Christ, would you just stand and wait for them to come and take you away? I wouldn't, I would run. I'd leave behind everything. I don't need anything here. What do I need? I don't need anything. I have what I need. I have Jesus. I mean, consider today, precious men and women, boys and girls, are told, move from the north to the south of the Gaza Strip. 
All you can take is what you can take. Car full. Or maybe you're walking. Carrying the bags. Carrying everything you can carry to take care of the wife and the children. But you're still going to go because you know the bombs are going to fall on your house. You run. This may surprise you. But people have been leaving behind everything they have and running for years. They've been doing it in different countries like Nigeria where Christians have to leave a village or a place because if they don't leave, they're going to be killed. And they have to take only what they can carry. And maybe they end up, if they're blessed, in a refugee camp or they're but on their own, vulnerable. But lifting up the name of Jesus. Listen to the rest of this. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you, For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answers, pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Oh, wait a minute, brother, wait a minute. It's already upon you. Bitterness is already upon you. Wickedness is already upon you. Don't push it away and pretend you're a a good guy. Come to terms with what your heart really is. And let Jesus Christ come and scrub you clean. Put everything into the hands of Jesus. And he will remove wickedness from your heart. But don't play the game with me. That, oh... I'm a good Christian man. Tonight we're headed to the football game. Don't play that game with me. Don't play the game. Oh, I'm a good man. You want to come and watch a movie with us tonight, Pastor? No, I don't. I don't watch them. I separated myself from the world, the flesh, and the devil. I don't have any interest in them. I want Jesus. And I want the book of Acts. I want the book of Acts to be real to me. I want the book of Acts to be real to you. We are rushing toward living once more in the book of Acts where the power of God is present, where miracles happen. Do you think I'm... A fool not to go to the doctor to get my broken leg repaired? No, I'm waiting on Axe. (laughs) What are you going to do when you can't go to the doctor anymore? I hear some of you say, we need to live close to good medical facilities. Well, what are you going to do when the facilities are closed? When When you can't go to the doctor anymore? That's coming. That's coming. But with it is coming. Book of Acts. The power of God. The presence of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but it's exciting to me. Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you've said may come upon me. No, it's already there. And history tells us that Simon Magus went on to do great damage to the Christian church with lies and false teachings and magic. And then, can you imagine 
Peter and John sitting down and having a discussion before they return to Jerusalem. Well, John, it's time for us to go back. The church needs us. And John, well, yes, the church does need us, but But Paul is still there, putting people in prison and killing people. Maybe we ought to go somewhere else for a while, until things cool down in Jerusalem. No, I don't think they'd have that kind of discussion. They got ready and immediately walked back to Jerusalem, from whence they had gone on a mission to baptize Samaritans that they could receive the Holy Spirit. Astonishing. They're not afraid that they're going to have everything that they own taken. Peter, I've seen Peter's home. It was a beautiful home. His wife was entirely devoted with him to Jesus Christ. And years later, Both of them were joined in crucifixion and and left and went to be with Jesus. They testified. This is Acts, the 8th chapter, verse 25. And when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. So they did not sneak back into Jerusalem. They went boldly into Jerusalem, preaching the gospel along the way. That's where we're going. Are you prepared to boldly proclaim that Jesus is your Lord? Are you prepared to boldly proclaim, even if it means going to prison or being killed, that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords? Are you willing to be a part of a church where they hold everything in common? Where they actually love each other and care for one another? Where when they come together, the first thing they want to talk about is the wonderful Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing they want to do is is say, Brother, let's pray together. Let's get direction from Jesus for where he wants us to go, for where he wants us to live. Let's, Let's pray for one another right now that he would show us where tonight's meal is going to come from. Are you ready to depend fully on Jesus Christ and cast off as worthless all that you own? I am. All that I desire is Jesus and his kingdom. Are you willing to travel? willing to come to a church that's struggling and small and trying to come to terms with what it means to be a Christian, trying to come to terms with what it means to pray. So much easier to just sit and be silent. No, it's time to get to the Acts Church. It's coming. It's not quite here. You can come and make it come more quickly by your honesty and your commitment and being sold out. Wherever you are, call for the Acts Church. Some of you are pastors. Call your church to be an Acts Church. The book of Acts is the book of the Holy Spirit. 
We need a church of the Holy Spirit, not named that, but in reality to be that. I pray that today's message has been encouraging to you and challenging. The stark reality of our day is that this world is passing away and the kingdom of Jesus Christ is coming like a freight train. And I want to be a part of the fullness of that kingdom of God. I recognize his authority over me. I recognize his lordship over me. I recognize that he died on Calvary and shed his blood for me and for you. I want that stark reality come into your mind and rule over your heart. Let's pray. Lord, I come today by faith in you, Jesus, that you are building the National Prayer Chapel, that you are building this radio broadcast, that you are moving in people's hearts to continue giving, for many have pulled back I know finances are hard, but Jesus, you're the provider of the finances. I pray, Lord, that you will move in people's hearts as you test them over this issue of their investment in the kingdom. Lord, come close. Come close, Lord Jesus, and rule over us. Lord, I pray for men and women who are sick today who need the Acts Church to come so that they can be healed because the doctors failed. Lord, I pray for the Acts Church to come quickly and the many, many who are sick, who are suffering. You see their pain. Lord, surround them with your comfort but also with your healing. Lord, break forth. Lord Jesus of the book of Acts, break forth in this now book of Revelation. And let us see and understand and know the love and mercy you have for us, the compassion you have for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I speak boldly not to hurt your heart, but to heal your heart. Open your heart to Jesus, and he'll carry you. I'll talk to you soon. This is Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. This is Pilgrim's Progress. God bless you today. Amen. Amen.